Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. My guest for this episode is returning from episode 115, 115, back in March 2020 when we did Billy's Boots together. It's a warm welcome return for Richard Sheaf. Richard, welcome back. Hello, Eamon. Thank you. You, you bookended uh, my appearance with, with the start of the uh, pandemic and uh, maybe the tail end of the pandemic yes. so, no. <laughs> we're bracketing nice. covid19 yeah <laughs> so we've got an absolutely huge book to get through this evening possibly i think the biggest book um uh, that we may have covered yet on the book club um until somebody chooses granville integrale this yes. is going to be the book um you, you cover two and a half kilos of comics here yeah so tell us what we're doing tonight on the podcast this evening, Eamon, I'll mainly be talking about David Roach's Masters of British Comic Art. Fantastic. From Rebellion in 2020, hardback, 385 pages, a beautiful paper stock, two different covers. I've got the Brian Bolland cover. I know from listening to you on another podcast, you've got the David Roach cover, I think. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I've got the David Roach cover. I, I was going to go for the Bolland cover and I was a bit slow off the mark in ordering and then by the time i got around to it i spotted a tweet from the rebellion shop saying oh we found a few more of those david roach books down the down the back of the warehouse so i thought ah right okay i'll get on that david roach cover then so yeah and i've I've just flashed up the cover that cover in front of me on the computer and i'm looking at it judge anderson reading the book surrounded by a host of british comic book characters uh i have to confess i don't recognize all of them but I'm sure you, you've worked out who they all are. You probably know them all, do you? I know quite a lot of them. I, I wouldn't say I know quite all of them. I think, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's a great cover by David. He's managed to squeeze in a, a lot of a lot of people uh, onto that front page there. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to. Um, I've still got obviously the 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 bottom cover is sort of the the front end pages, uh, so you still get that as Good. well with. Uh, the sort of the recreation uh, of the Beatles uh, at Abbey Road, but in comic book format. Okay, well, tell us. I mean, for anybody who hasn't got this stonking volume, just give us a brief sort of uh, outline of what the book is about and what it consists of. Okay, so this is, like I say, it's three hundred and eighty pages, which sounds like a lot to read, uh, but actually, it's good news, readers. It's not all words. It's a number of. It's divided into a number of chapters covering sort of the history of british comics sort of the sort of from the evolution of the art form sort of in the 19th century uh right up until uh sort of the the, the british invasion uh of the 1980s so there's sort of the first about 140 pages uh are sort of the, the history of the medium drawing on david roach's incomparable knowledge uh of of british comics um and then there is a long section, uh, which I think is about 200 pages, which is about literally his the the artists he identifies as being the masters of British comic art and a lot of their original art. So some people have, um, although they although they qualify as it were for inclusion in the book, uh, they may just have you know a, a simple I mean, a single image uh, from them. So. Don Harley, for instance, uh, a single page. But some people, I think Ron Embleton has about six or seven pages. So, you know, David Roach's eyes, uh, Ron Embleton is rightly up there at the, at the top of the tree in terms of uh, British comic artists. So you can have a look through and uh, I'm sure we'll 
we'll shout out the page numbers as we go along if you want to read along at home and you know i'm sure there'll be some artists where you know, people look and go well you know where's he or what on earth is that person doing in there you know obviously it's subjective uh based on uh, david's taste but uh, but he's got excellent taste and uh, you know a fantastic selection of artists you know and i guarantee there'll be you know at least one person in here you know that you've never heard of no matter how much you think you know about british comics um and then there's a sort of a final chapter which is looking at um the sort of the really the 21st century masters he calls it which is a really sort of bang up to date so rather than sort of the the history and thinking about you know which of the great early, late 19th century artists that we should still be thinking about it's more a sort of you know the in in the year 2020 you know who are the artists um you know that are made maybe those, those future masters um that we'll see and again a number of uh, 2000 AD alumni uh, in there. And David Roach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sort of paraphrase from his own biography at the back of the book. Um, studied fine art and philosophy at college, then joined, as he says, the, the art droids at 2000 AD in, in 1986. Uh, probably best known for Judge Anderson, but he's also, he's done Nemesis. He yeah. went on to work for the Americans and do Star Wars, Aliens, he did some Batman. He's done some Doctor Who magazine. Um, he still, thankfully, comes back to the prog and does Judge Anderson um, from time to time. He is... I mean, he's not only an enormously talented artist in his own right, he's a real scholar and historian for comic book art. I guess I guess his own personal collection must be huge, I would have thought. Um and the stuff that he knows, he's always a great chap to talk to at conventions as well because he's very knowledgeable about all this stuff. I mean, he's, you, you probably couldn't think of a better person to do a book like this in a way, could you? No, I mean, I'd have to say the, sort of the history section or the, the, the chapters, I mean, they absolutely, I mean, they just drip with knowledge, you know, the sort of, the, you know, sort of, you know the, in the best way, the sort of effortless, effortlessly, you know, uh, handing that knowledge over to us and to you know future generations of scholars who'll look back on this you know as a real you know if it was in that book a you know it must it must be true uh, and b you know the, these were the really good artists um but it's, it's just absolutely you know dripping with, with information in a way that you know i like knowing about you know who wrote what and who drew what um but i always think that can sometimes make it quite hard to write about things because you just end up focused on that that detail you get a sort of a depth of knowledge but but the breadth of knowledge that that david is able to cover and to convey uh, in the, in the history section here is you know is astonishing and facts you know just sort of like i say they just sort of drip from the pages i think there's at one point he says out of the 385 spanish artists who drew for fleetway and you think oh my god a i'd never thought how many spanish artists did to draw comics from uh, for fleetway um, B, I've, I never would have made a list, but David has made a list and he's totted it up and it's 385. Uh, so, you know, but just, you know, that's all, uh, you know, a throwaway sentence, whereas for other things, you know, other books or other um, writers, that might have been, you know, the sort of the sort of the sum total of what you're getting to looking at every single Spanish artist. But it's just, no, no, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that and I'm going to move along because it's just, it's proving a, a, a tiny point. So, yeah, I don't know how many words there are in here, but, you know, it's, fantastically detailed but not in a but in a you know in a, in a great way in a very sort of engaging uh way 
Yeah, I mean, we have to congratulate him on his writing style because it's very readable. Um, I, I mean, yeah. it's obviously, I would have thought... I think it's fairly obvious, Richard, it's a book right up your street covering British comic art and British comic history. Yeah. <laughs> it's a book made for you, isn't it? Uh, it, it is, and that was why um, I've been on another podcast talking about it previously, so I'm going to try not to repeat it. Uh, not, that, not that anybody is following me on podcasts, but I will try not to repeat anything I said on that, and I will look at different artists and consider different creators uh, this week. But, but you're right, it, it, is, it is entirely up my street. Um, it was a book that I read at the, at the sort of the start of lockdown uh, when it came out, uh, and it's been a pleasure to revisit it uh, in the last couple of weeks and, and to re- reread it, uh, and you know to discover things that either I'd forgotten or artists who at the time I, I just didn't know who they were. And maybe we'll come along to that at, uh, as we go along, but to then go, oh, that are oh, you? Oh, oh, well, since I read this originally two years ago, I bought I bought something that you've done, and I, you know, and that's fantastic. So yeah, I was really sort of taken by some of those choices i thought oh yeah i see why you've chosen that artist now now i've got a comment by them i think yeah i know that they completely see why why you pick them out but but yeah yeah it, it is a book made for me it is full of my you know uh, my, my favorite artists um and yeah that will be a pleasure to look at for a long time and if we just talk about the history of british comics uh to begin with um I'm guessing, I mean, there's a couple of things about this book which must have been Herculean tasks for David Roach. And one would be, I guess, the research to actually put together the chapters, giving us a fairly sort of concise and beautifully written history of British comics. I mean, it must have been a, a labour of love constructing that, 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 those parts of it. Yeah, I mean, you can't... I mean, you know, I've got you know a number of uh, Dennis Gifford's books here uh, on my shelves, like like a number of us have, and you know, and other sort of comics reference material, you know, that that I you know I, I dip in and out of. But to be able to, uh, you know, concisely um, cover all that material and say, right, I'm gonna, you know, here's 50 years, here's 100 years of comics, which I can cover in two, three, four, five chapters, um, as well as telling you. All about the artists and writers that were involved, um, you know, is is it's just it's just fantastic and just draws parallels all the time about it's not just about what's going on with the most popular comic, it's about what's going on across a number of comics at the same time. They're, they're all moving in the same direction, or you have one comic which is suddenly becomes a trailblazer and then the others follow along, and he really sort of draws the story along and shows you what's going on and makes makes connections between different things that if you're just reading about one comic you get again come back to that sort of that issue about the sort of the depth of knowledge you read about one comic but actually what david is drawing is that that breadth of knowledge and looking at across all the titles that are being published and making those connections and, and links and showing where something that happened so you know, tom brown becoming starting becoming a comic artist and then showing well actually his style was then imitated you know for the next 40 years but you, you know so it's you know it just makes those connections so apparently so effortlessly but you know it's not effortless it's 40 years, 50 years of, you know, reading, collecting and thinking about comics, you know, a lot. And I'll ask you in a moment how, you know, how you think it stands up as a British comics history. But the other Herculean task is to say something about the reproduction of the art, because this is not uh, just the sort of standard images that we perhaps might be used to seeing scanned from comic pages, is it? No, no, um quite 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 the opposite um there isn't 
awful lot um, of original uh, art in here uh, that David has gathered together from sort of uh, fr friends and connections, artists um, that he's got to know. You know, he's a assistant to him on the um, 2018 uh, Thrillcast uh, when when this came out, um, and he, you know, he talks about. You know, I think he's written sort of 20 books, I think now, and he's just you know, and they've always with an interest in you know th those artists and he just you know he just knows a lot of people who've got great art and like I say he's got a great art collection as well but he knows people who've got great art as well and he's tapped up all of those um, contacts for this book uh, and the amount of original art in here rather than just sort of slightly um, scruffy uh, scans from comics you know it's, it's just um, an amazing selection of art and absolutely beautifully presented like you say on the sort of thick paper uh, and it just shows the art off to, to its absolute best and you know was well worthy of its Eisner nomination this year I think it was Yes and it's you know you're probably I mean apart from actually seeing the original art up close yourself you're probably never going to see better reproductions of the no. art in here than you know this is then it's presented here I, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it, you know, it's fantastically, you know, high resolution images. You know, you can really see, you know, every, uh, you know, uh, brush stroke, uh, you know, a pen stroke uh, in some of these images. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely beautifully, beautifully produced. So there's dozens and dozens of comic book histories of American comics. Yeah. There's probably only a handful of histories of British comics. I've got one on the shelf in the other room. If we sort of like disregard the beautiful images for a moment, because we are going to start waxing lyrical about the art in a moment, but if we disregard just the images, how does it stand up as a sort of history uh, of British comics? I, I, I think it stands up extremely well. Like you say, this is not damning with faint praise. You know, the, the, the competition that it's up against, you know, is uh, is reasonably limited. Um, you know, there are a number of uh, Dennis Gifford books out there you know he, he wrote about a lot of aspects of uh, British comics but obviously but his main interest was sort of pre second world war um, uh, comics sort of sort of what you probably call the, the golden age sort of between the first world war and the second world war British comics that was what he was really interested in um, Paul Gravett wrote a very good book um, as you'd expect called Great British Comics which has got a lovely uh, uh, Charles Grigg picture um, of dandy of um corky from the dandy um on the front page and then you know the other books that exist either focus on particular you know go sort of have a deep dive on a particular topic something like uh the, the film fun book that came out probably in the early 80s um and there are other books on individual artists roy wilson reg parlett Alan Clark has published a number of books back in the 80s and during lockdown has become a one-man publishing machine on sort of the the really early days of British comics, uh, sort of the late 19th century. And so I think there are a number of titles out there, but to have it all so you know, beautifully put together in, in, a, in a volume like this is, you know, uh, it is fantastic. And like I said, I think, you know, will be relied on by fans of British comics for, for a very long time to come. And, you know, for a podcast that's mainly about 2000 AD, we'll have to mention that Chapter 11 is entitled The Galaxy's Greatest Comic and is the sort of history, <laughs> a little potted history of 2000 AD 
before moving on to the next chapter, which is sort of um, what's called Birth of the Cool. That's the sort of uh, 80s comics revolution and uh, uh, the British invasion, as it were. Uh, but yeah, there's you know there's a chapter about 2000 AD, uh, which is great, and of course David himself, a you know well-renowned art droid in his own right. So that's great stuff. Okay. We're going to turn to talk about some of the art, and I've asked you to pick some artists to discuss in a few categories, which we'll get to uh, in a moment. Um, We probably ought to start... I put this in our notes, that this is, I think, the first time I've had a chance to mention the sad loss of Gary Leach. Mm. And if we turn to page 260, we get... Uh, I think he gets four pages, doesn't he, Gary Leach? Yeah, he's a, he's a four pager. You know, that's 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 pretty up there. Uh, you know, that, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good haul in this book being a four pager. That's, you know, that's the high regard in which David Wright, rightly holds uh, held Gary's work. Yeah, and I mean, as I said, he um, I mentioned, and I'm sure you've read this as well. He wrote a beautiful obituary of Gary Leach for the Down the Tubes uh, website, I believe. Um, in which he talked about Gary's sort of like spectacular artwork and his sort of, in a way, his his refusal to skimp on anything. To you know, he was always the pages had to be perfect, which was perhaps why there's less there's less of Gary Leach mm. than we would have liked maybe in the archive because you know he was uh, to produce his artwork so stunning was a, it took him a long time, didn't it? But yeah, David Roach obviously held him in very high esteem and has written very movingly about him uh, after his sad passing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was really interesting uh, to read that article by David and to you know consider uh, certainly from from Gary's point of view how much he maybe how much he enjoyed the inking stage of production where actually all the decisions had been made and you know he was a much more prolific inker uh, than he was a, a penciler where like you say the sort of the decisions about where to put that piece of the pencil on the paper and to make the decisions about what the image looks like you know became you know a, a crippling, cripplingly complex decision uh, and, and, and did slow him down and resulted in like you say not not as much art uh, as anybody would like but like you say he, he refused to compromise on that and I think it, he's a sort of person where you know I know there are things like the sort of Norman um, uh, runs the Frank Bellamy uh, blog where he's sort of, you know, methodically going through and detailing, you know, every instance of a piece of Frank Bellamy artwork. You know, I could see, you know, something similar for, for Gary Leach, you know, people to go through and highlight, you know, pick out uh, every, every single piece that he, that he worked on because I think it is, it's not, it's not thousands and thousands of pages, you know, it is a thing that is uh, achievable to be able to work out all the things that he drew for all the, all the, all the publishers and, and it would be a lovely thing to see. So, yeah, no, it's just... Fantastic and very sad loss. Yes, it is. And we'll just, uh, yeah, as we say, we'll just note, raise a, a glass to Gary and his wonderful artwork, which is in this book. So to move on to the other artists, what I asked you to do was to pick an artist in four different categories and then to pick a fifth sort of grail page, which we'll get to. Um, what I thought we'd start with, or sort of, sort of going... Um, chronologically was it to start with a great old master from the sort of first part of the book who have you chosen and we're going to shout out some page numbers as we go uh we have i mean i, I must say you know this is the uh, you know this is a particularly 
not ridiculous exercise, but you know, normally any of these pages that we're about to shout out would be the Grail page yeah. of the week, and yet there are hundreds of pages that are in here, and that we're going to ignore ninety nine percent of them. This is the Grail page of the Grail pages. You know, this yes. is it. This is, <laughs> Any better than this, I'm afraid. This is it. All, all other grower pages are downhill from here on in, I'm afraid. But uh, anyway, for my old master, I picked out somebody who just who's left me just before uh, Gary Leach, uh, and is a five pager man. Uh, I picked out uh, Don Lawrence, starting on page 255. Right. 255, Don Lawrence. Uh, okay. Tell us about Don Lawrence. And obviously, I'm going to say most probably well known to this podcast for the Trigon Empire. Um, what about tell me yeah, about so, him? Uh, so, so yeah, so Dragon Empire reprints coming out, uh, as we know at the moment from Rebellion, uh, up to volume three of those so far. Previously, they'd appeared uh, in the pages of, of Look and Learn, sort of the educational uh magazine that ran to about a thousand issues, I think it was all in, so ran for 20 years. Um, and yeah, you know, you, when you hear people talk about look and learn, there's sort of a, it always feels like a bit of a, a parent buy, but actually, you know, the kids are like, ah, yeah, but it had the Dream Empire, and that was pretty amazing. So that's that's full colour, full painted artwork um, that he's very well known for, and it's an amazing sort of story which mixes science fiction and the Roman Empire uh, on, a, on a distant planet many, many years ago, and his, you know, the artwork is spectacular um there's no other word for it but before that um he worked on uh, carl the viking which again rebellion and the treasure of british comics imprint um i've started to reprint and that's a black and white strip um that appeared in lion in the early 1960s and so far there's uh one volume of that i think uh, one volume just one yeah. so far yeah just one so far but there's one there's another one to come um and so and that's so that that's black and white, but you know, the, the 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 penmanship and the detail on those um, is is spectacular. And if you reach a little further back to I think the end of the nineteen fifties, um, I'd recommend you know anybody who has enjoyed reading the the Trigon Empire and the uh, Kyle the Viking stories, I would recommend looking up a book called the Don Lawrence Westerns, Wells Fargo and Pony Express, which are reprints of work that Don did. For Zip Comic uh, and Swift Comic, so Zip Comic I think came out. Uh, he was working for that in 1958, and Swift Comic was uh, from Halton Press, who um, were big magazine publishers, but sort of made their name comics with publishing Eagle and then Girl and then uh, Robin and Swift. So Eagle was for sort of um, uh, middle, middle class, let's say, uh, boys, girls. Similarly, um, the girls, but there was Robin, which was a nursery comic, so aimed at either sex. Uh, and then the idea was you sort of progress from Robin onto Swift, and then you would either go off to girl or you would go off and read Eagle. So, so Swift is for sort of above nursery age, but below Eagle or girl reading age. So I don't know how much that makes you six, seven, eight, something like that. And and the detail uh, on on those strips. Uh, which isn't in the book because there's only one page of black and white. Carl the Viking um, is, is is extraordinary as well, and you know, if you, you know the care and attention on you know a single page that's lavished on it for these you know, lucky six or seven year olds uh, in 1960 is, is astonishing. Um, so I'm very jealous of them. So yeah, D D Don Lawrence, mentor as well to uh, 
some of the modern greats, uh, Chris Weston, Liam Sharp, um, as well. So yeah, died in uh, 2003, uh, uh, you know, enormously influential uh, and successful artist, you know, in, in this country uh, and abroad, and certainly in the, the Netherlands, um, where he was extremely successful with some of the strips and through that. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, if we look at just 258, um, are you, do you say Trigon Empire or Trigon Empire? I say Trigon. But... Trigon, yeah, me too. Okay, so 258, Trigon Empire from Look and Learn, artwork from the Chris Weston collection. Um, I mean, we're used in a way to his beautiful sort of figures in their sort of Roman style uh, uniforms. But that mountain pass, mm. you look at it, uh, you look at sometimes at detailed work on portrayals of Mega City One, but the, the 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 detail on the mountain pass and the colour of it is just uh, it's just stunning and staggering, isn't it? Yeah, and that's only you know, the sort of the reason to pick an, an artist like like Don for this. But yeah, like I said, the sort of the detail, you know, it, it, it could be out in um, out, out out in the Badlands out there, but but the the, the detail, like I say, just astonishing. So. So beautifully, beautifully written. Fantastic. Okay, so Don Lawrence is the old master to uh, to talk about. And then, I mean, I suppose we should say about this book, um, you know, we both read it when it came out, but it's the sort of book you can just open a page at random and just stare in wonder, really, can't you? I mean, it's, the, you know, any page in the galleries is just worth um, just sitting and studying for a while. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, and I would certainly say with you know, like I say there's a sort of a dozen chapters on the history of British comics. Again, you know, they're a nice length that you know you can sort of dip in and out of those. And I'd, I'd certainly recommend David's chapter on girls comics, which you know is you know, I know David's very enthusiastic uh, about the quality um, of girls comics, but for me, the sort of the, the girls comics was certainly a chapter around which you know the least has been written, and therefore you know his his chapter on that you know broke. You know, it felt to me like it was breaking new ground and telling me lots of things I didn't know. You know, making me you know, reevaluate what I think about girls' comics. So, I, so that's a sort of a chapter that I heartily recommend because I just think it will cover lots of new ground for lots of people. You know, the sort of the, the, the chapter twelve about the history and the origins of two thousand D is probably you know, reasonably well known to people listening to this. But I think you know, if you read the chapter of girls' comics, there'll be a lot of stuff that you would, you would not know. Um, but you're right; you could, you know, you could. You could spend a long time looking through here rather wistfully, uh, you know, and imagining and thinking, why didn't I just spend more money buying, you know, David Lloyd artwork when I was young? What was I doing wasting my money <laughs> on beer and beer, beer and song and you know? But you know, you have to you have to make peace with these things. So. Yeah, chapter seven, comics for girls. Obviously, the the sort of like of often the major black spot in our in our own comics knowledge. Um, and you know artists and uh, strips that we should know more about. Um, okay, fantastic. Well, let's let's go from the old masters to sort of the galaxy's greatest artists in a way. Let's talk about 2008 alumni. And I, I asked you to just pick one uh, sort of graduate from the Art Droid School for us to look at. Who have you chosen? So uh, I've chosen a one-page man, uh, obviously it's a man, uh, on page 310, uh, so I've picked out Ron Smith. Right. Ah, oh, fantastic. One of the favourites of this podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be covering new ground, say, 
Him on Smith's amazing. Uh, but, I, but I picked him out because, you know, I, I didn't read 2000 AD when I was growing up. Um, I, I didn't get the, the prog. I was getting New Eagle instead. Um, but what, what I did have was, you know, you know the occasional sort of copy of an annual. Uh, and I had the sort of the, uh, the Daily Star newspaper reprints, so sort of quite slim, rectangular volumes. Um, so that was my most of my exposure to dread when i was growing up uh was those daily star reprints um not on a daily basis from the daily star but yeah like i say those reprint volumes which would sometimes appear in the annuals as well um so ron smith was the sort of the dread artist who i saw the most of when i grew when i was growing up so you know and uh, those newspaper strips you know are just the perfect encapsulation in ron smith's you know hand of you know just the the, the, the craziness the grief the, you know, the danger, the violence, the everything that is Mega City One. So, um, yeah. So, so for me, you know, Ron Smith is my dread artist. So, so, so I picked him out for, for this choice. So it's a picture from the um, the Blood of Satana story, I think, it's uh, it, or yeah. it's a page from that. Um, I notice it doesn't have um, who owns it. So I wonder if this is from David's collection himself. Um, it's got, you know, it's got the incredibly lithe Judge Dredd dropping through the air um, and coming through the door with a great sort of fatoom uh, sound effect. And then, of course, the the detail on the Satanus sort of uh, the guy, the man who drank the blood of Satanus's face is just incredible. Um, to think that this might have been one of the uh, um, the, uh, the 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 alarm clock pages is astonishing. Uh, yeah. yeah. In fact, it's very. It seems very, very. Looking at it now, it seems very reminiscent of sort of some of the um, the artwork and the big, big horrible monsters of something like David Pugh, uh, the artist uh, draws. Uh, uh, I can't remember if you covered Lona uh, on the podcast yet, or if that's in the, yeah. in the, the cover pile. But um, yeah, D- David Pugh draws some astonishing. I mean, he worked on 2000 AD uh, on Slain, I think, didn't he? Um, earlier in his career, but would end up on Loner and draw some. You know, I've got a page of, you know, and it's just this one enormous monster. So yeah, so, so I love these sort of you know big pages. Like I say, it's this Satanus. You know, he's trying to you know, hang himself, but yeah, you know, the, the, the sort of the scales and on his on his body and, and the details. So yeah, like I say, the idea that the um, the alarm clock would go off halfway through those scales, and you know, oh, I've got to just ignore the alarm clock today. I've got to keep going with this. <laughs> That'd be one to stay on, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ron Smith again, um, you know, sad loss uh, as well. And what an artist for 2008. We've talked about him many a time. I, I always think he's one of those artists that I always wanted to see in black and white. I'd never wanted to, I wasn't quite so sold on his colour pages. I always thought he was the perfect black and white Judge Dredd artist in a way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, that's all of that, that mastery of, of black and white that he has, you know, that, you know, some artists have, uh, yeah, it's just astonishing, you know, incredibly varied career, you know, the, you know, the, the thousands and thousands of pages he, he produced for, you know, published, you know, Fleet Lake, DC Thompson, you know, over the years, you know, an astonishing uh, you know, body of work. Uh, but yeah, I think the thing with the dread work, the dread black and white work that he produces, you know, uh, at, at this stage, is just, yeah, it's just unsurpassed for me. Fantastic. I'll mention quickly another one-page man a couple of pages back on 307, Arthur Ranson. 
there's a Batman page um, from Legends of the Dark Knight. But, I mean, again, another stunning black and white artist as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, just the detail. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, a rogues gallery there. Um, but, yeah, sort of the, the, the attention to, to detail, you know, it's unbelievable, yeah. I'd love to you know, imagine that sort of oh, you know, A3 size, you know, you can imagine hanging up on a wall and just, you know, you could, you could stay at that all day, but there, there is a lot to look at in that, that art forensic place. Okay, so let's turn back from Ron Smith, although he is... I guess an old master as well. I, I thought we would try and find a name or two from the book that might be more unfamiliar to uh, our listeners. Um, you know, I'm guessing most people have come across Don Lawrence. Certainly, they'd all know Ron Smith. Who's your sort of unknown master who stuck, you know, stuck out to you uh, on your reading of the book? Um. Uh, well, uh, before I get to my winner, I'll just, I'd just like to have a, uh, an honourable mention. Of course. Think, uh, for, uh, for Walter Lambert, uh, born in 1897. We don't talk about enough people born in the 19th century on this podcast, Damon, as you know. No, so, absolutely. <laughs> um, it was on page 254. 254. Uh, for a cover of Tina, number six, 1967. Oh, yes. Which, I mean, it's just, I mean, I know sometimes you know, we talk on a podcast and we say, you know, that belongs in an art gallery. Um and I just think, you know, I look at that page, you know, I've had all the pages in here and I think, you know, they're just, you know, I think about like John Singer Sargent, you know, that, that painting that he did at sort of like at dusk of his, his nieces, like it's called Carnation Lily, Lily Rose. And it's just a sort of beautiful view of sort of light at dusk and his young children sort of with, and I just think this, this painting, you know, you could sort of, that truly, you know, I believe you could, you could see that in a, in a gallery. Um, I just think that's, that's amazing. You, you know, it might be in the slightly, you know, people might be walking past it a bit quick because it's in the slightly, you know, uncool Victorian end of the building. But I just think that that Walter Lambert picture—that's astonishing. Yeah. Um, so I, I love the light in that. Yes, I mean from from the cover of Tina from 1967, uh, something that was presumably, you know, it was just a job, just do the cover, and yet the stu- yeah. the study in lighting on the girl's face and the the sort of personality and character in the girl's face. Um, it's just astonishing to just think that was just sort of, as you say, probably just knocked out for that week's cover. And it, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, portrait gallery should be yeah. in the National Portrait Gallery. Sure. Yeah, so Walter Lambert, so, so Walter Lambert. Um, so the unknown masters I picked, um, so what I really picked uh, the winner uh, on page 331 and 332. Um, so I picked uh, David Wright, who probably you know back in the day was was very well known for um drawing lovely ladies uh spoilers his lovely ladies aren't aren't in this book um this is more his newspaper work uh and titan put out a book let's say about a decade ago called i think it's called sirens so you draw quite uh quite revealing they're not like like sort of reginald heed would draw those sort of uh, pulp covers with you know women in you know impossible bits of sort of chiffon negligees, but they would just 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 on the right side of you know decent you know pretty yeah. close to the line. Yeah. Whereas David Wright's ladies were definitely on the other side of the line. You know, and they weren't. 
they definitely weren't too worried about wearing clothes. Um, but that's not why I've chosen it, Eamon, you understand. Um, no. I picked, I picked him out for his, uh, for his newspaper strip work here. Um, so this is Carol Day. I think I've, I've seen some posts on uh, John Freeman's uh, Down the Tubes website that there is a collection of Carol Day in the works. I just, and I just think, so this is a newspaper strip um, that ran uh, in, in the 1950s. And it's just, it just, you know, the, the detail that, you know, the black and white, the, the chiaroscuro um, is it, just astonishing to think you know, this is a, this is a, a sort of a, a daily newspaper strip you know, that, that, that we, we could read um, at, at the time. I just, I just love the art, the detail, the sort of the, the cross hatching is reminiscent of if anybody's been reading the spider volume that the treasury British comics have put out, you know, you've got uh, red bun in there, the sort of the, of cross hatching. Well, I think, you know, if you look at this, then, you know, then David Wright is giving red bun, you know, an incredible run for his money because the, uh, the, the detail, uh, in, in this story, uh, is fantastic. So yeah, so, so, so David Wright is a, is a name that I, that I wish people knew more about. And I'm reading his dates on the page, 1912 to 1967. So he passed away, what, he was 55, which seems terribly young now that I'm older than that. Um, and it's astonishing black and white stuff. There's even, there's a, the sort of like the leading lady is sitting for a portrait and an artist is painting her. And even the paintings in the sort of back of the panel the sort of detail on those is astonishing. And then they're just background detail. Um, yeah, absolutely astonishing. Um, beautiful black and white art. And, of course, I know nothing at all about Carol Day, the hero. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, the, the, the bits I like to say, I'm, I'm hoping this, this collection will, will come out because I think, it, you know, it's just, it, it so deserves to be rediscovered and really, you know, really is one of those, I think will be one of those newspaper strips that you could sort of, you know, is a, is a sort of, when I say an adult strip, I mean, you know, I don't mean like in the Daily Star or the Sun, you know, I mean, it's a strip for adults and really shows what you can do with the medium in the way that something like Jeff Hawke, you know, you can hear is an, is an adult, intelligent newspaper strip, you know, running every day that, you know, millions of people are seeing, you know, who are, you know, they are reading a comic, even if, you know, they, they tell themselves that, you know, they don't like comics and don't read comics. Actually, you know, here he is every single day an opportunity for you to read a comic and, uh, and you know, and Carol Day, I think will will fit within that. So I'm hoping this volume, when it when it comes out, will really introduce uh, Carol Day to a much wider, more deserving audience. Fantastic, uh, great choice. And you mentioned Jeff Hawk. Uh, I've got to mention that I have you to thank for identifying the extra character on the Brian Bolland version of the front cover. <laughs> um, I sent a copy of this book to my favourite American uh, comics podcast, and they. I think they got Dan Dare, Judge Dredd and Tank Girl. They misidentified Rupert the Bear as um, Paddington for some reason. Um, but in the, back, <laughs> in the background of the Abbey Road uh, front cover from Bolland, there's a strange alien character. And I gather from you, that's another Jeff Hawke character, is it? It is. Very, Brian is... Uh, so obviously this, this image is drawn by Brian. Uh, he, he's a very big Jeff Hawke fan. He, he, did, a, he did do... A little bit of work on, on Jeff Hawke. He, he was sort of covered for the artist uh, Sydney Jordan, um, so has produced a number of uh, Jeff Hawke strips. So, uh, so I think he the the, the character. I, I think he's called Colverock, uh, and he is. I mean, he's sort of 
the Jeff Hawk strips often when they they start there's a sort of a a convention I suppose that there's a the story is being told to us you know the, the readers of the of the Daily Express um, and and he is a character who appears or you know creatures from his race uh, will appear uh, in these stories and like I say you know it's a classic sort of newspaper strip you know three four panels you have to resolve yesterday's problem move the story along create another problem you know it's you know it's ridiculous to try and do that in in four panels so you know there's sort of to be able to do it and to do it successfully you know it is incredibly hard um and to you know the sort of science fiction concepts um uh, the, the the strip writer in its sort of its golden age uh, willie patterson you know is able you know to get across and and the um, jordan who's still is still alive uh he was at an event at the cartoon museum uh, a couple of months ago that i went to um uh, it is able to was able to cover you know and it's and it's heyday in the 1950s strip you know was uh, was astonishing but it but it ran you know for a very uh long time ran from when did it start i think it started in 1954 and it ran um up until uh, about 1975 i think so so 20 years so uh, mainly um in the daily express and you know syndicated uh, worldwide so yeah so jeff hawk um by sydney jordan and uh willie willie Patson. and sydney jordan uh gets just the one page sadly but it is jeff hawk strips from the daily express i i do have the two titan Jeff Hawk collections, and strangely enough, I pulled them out earlier today to have a look at them. Uh, so yeah, another one, Sydney Jordan. Um, fantastic. I mean, there's so many. I'm just gonna. You mentioned Ron Embleton earlier on, um, Richard. You know, obviously, great artist, uh, best known to me for doing those end credit paintings on Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons TV show. Did you see the news about the auctions that they've just sold two of those? Oh, that was on. Was was that? On, uh, that was on down the tube thing the other day, wasn't it? I, I didn't see what price uh, that they went for. I think I, I remember seeing them in a in a like a cartoon, like an animation gallery that they had in central London uh, years ago, sort of really near where the BBC is. Um, uh, and that was so. But I, and I think there were quite a few of them, but I, I, yeah, I, I didn't see what what price they went for. But yeah, to most people in their consciousness, that's that's Ron Hamilton's sort of lasting claim to fame, rather than you know the amazing work he did on Wrath of the Gods, which which features in this book on page one hundred ninety four and one hundred ninety five, which I would love Rebellion to reprint to collect those. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at those two pages now, and it's just fantastic. But yeah, he's he did the end paintings for the sort of end credits of Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. Two of the original paintings were up for auction. They were they were estimated to sort of like be three to five thousand pounds, and one went for sixteen and a half thousand, and I think the other one went for twenty four or something like that. Um, yeah, big money. Yeah, <laughs> beyond the imaginary budget of Mega City Book Club. Okay. <laughs> Um, fantastic alright one more category I've picked for us which was to look at the sort of end section of the book uh, chapter 14 onwards 21st century masters so these are the modern masters Um, although as you say thank goodness Sidney Jordan's still with us Um, who have you picked from this section to sort of highlight Uh, I've picked out uh, page 366 uh, 
from the artist Ali Fell. Um, so, who was an artist? So, when I read, read this book originally uh, two years ago at the start of lockdown, I had no idea who Ali Fell was. And again, until very recently, I didn't realize uh, until I read her new uh, comic, uh, A Trick of the Light. Strange new tale of mystery and unease. What mm. is the dark secret of the Standing Stones? Um, which is in the style of a sort of a 19th. 19, I was going to say 19th century, but I meant a 1970s uh, sort of girls comic story um, written uh, and illustrated uh, by her. And like I say, I, I knew nothing about her at all until I read A Trick of the Light, uh, which I loved. You know, I backed it on the Kickstarter campaign when it came out. I just, you know, just the quality um, of the art was amazing. And then when I reread this book, I suddenly thought, oh my God, she's in here. Although she, I don't, not sure how much David Roach knows about her because all he has about her is Ali Fell, brackets born twentieth century. <laughs> uh, so she's a, she's a, a lady of mystery, um, but she's a fantastic drafts woman, uh, and I recommend A Trick of the Light um, uh, to to anybody who, who hasn't read it. The I mean, the quality of the artwork, you know, to me is very reminiscent of someone like Oliver Frey, um, who people might know. I mean, he worked on. I think the Trigan Empire, towards the end of its run, you know, when Don Lawrence was no longer working on it, he drew a lot of sort of covers for things like, was it like Crash magazine, uh, sort of, you know, the sort of ZX Spectrum magazines of the 1980s, lo load of covers for that, did a lot of war comics, uh, worked on a little stint doing Dan Dare uh, in, in the new Eagle. Um, so, yeah, so, and plenty of other stuff that will corrupt your browser history uh so be, be careful what you google when it comes to play but um yeah so so ali fell i, I picked out as somebody who i think wow just what what amazing artist you know i would like to buy more of your comics please yeah so ali a-l-y fell f-e-l-l -L. it says cover image courtesy of ali fell the shadow glass book two from 2016 a young woman in what i'm going to describe as sort of like a musketeer's outfit with a sword and behind her, there's uh, a sort of pair of wings and some sort of mystical symbols and so on. And um, again, a beautiful piece of sort of portraiture, but also sort of like you look at her in the image and the sword and the, the mystical stuff and you think, yeah, I quite want to read that book. I'll, I'll, I'll judge that book by its cover and I'll pick that up. And Trick of the Light, yeah. Um, yeah. it sounds like something I should be tra um, tracking down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I mean, like I say, it's come out on the, you know, it's come out to Kickstarter backers. Um, um, and yeah, it's on my sort of, I really must, you know, I follow her on Twitter. Uh, but actually, you know, I know she's working on, you know, she's just started to think about working on, you know, what what's the next piece. Uh, but yeah, but like I say, it just, Oliver Frey is, is, is the artwork that it reminds me of. Uh, and I just, yeah, it's just, you know, you, you can see it being in a, uh, in a, you know, a, a back issue of you know, Tammy or, or something that, or you know, or Misty, it's sort of you know those those the secret and the standing stone sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's a creator that yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to find out more about. And yeah, like I say, this um, this from the Shadow Glass Book Two. You know, I don't know anything about Book One, uh, let alone Book Two. So, yeah, th there's more for me to find out. But I think you know that's that's the joy of this book. You know, you could you can visit it and you can revisit it and find new people to think, actually, you know, actually, yeah, actually Henry Flint art, you know, well, actually, that is amazing. I know I want to find out more about this guy because that's an amazing image.
Yeah. I mean, it, it is just that. It's a book you can open and you will end up doing a bit of a dive into that artist and wanting to mm. find out more yeah. about them or, more, or get more books by them. Uh, there's one particular page which I'll mention towards the end, which I look at on a regular basis, and <laughs> just because it is just a, a thing of outstanding beauty. Um, before we get to Grail Pages then, uh, David Roach, as you say, he's written several books. Um, he's, uh, I think, known for his also for his Masters of Spanish comic art. Have you got that one? I mean, you know, do you follow the Spanish artists as well, Richard? Um, I've, I haven't got that book. I've got, uh, I think the the illustrators, so the illustrators or magazine that the sort of the book palace publishers put out, and okay, so they sort of have a regular quarterly. I mean, to call it a magazine, you know, is to is to downgrade what it is. You know, it's a sort of ninety six page again, sort of high quality. You know, scans from original art. Um, you know, it's just. Uh, amazing quality but they also put out sort of single volumes dedicated to particular topics or artists so for instance they've put out a uh, Sidney Jordan uh, and Jim Holdaway book uh, you know sort of celebrating their, their black and white artwork they um, Norman Boyd wrote them uh, The Art of Frank Bellamy um, they've done a number of uh, topics and they have done one on uh, Spanish artists um, but it's not by David so I think actually this is the only David Roach book that I own, which um, is an oversight on my part. He's he's working with Rebellion on the moment at the moment. I think on the Apex collections, and I know mm. he's been looking for original artwork for the uh, upcoming Mick McMahon um, Apex edition that they're hoping to put out. Um, the Bolland one, as a gather, has actually hit the shelves now or started to hit people's uh, letterboxes. Um, I've seen pictures of it. It's a huge, great coffee table of a book. Um, and he's working, I think, trying to collect art for the Mick McMahon one at the moment. He, yes, he is. Yeah, I saw him. He was doing. He wasn't there in person at the late comic festival uh, in October, I guess it was. Uh, but he was interviewed by uh, John Freeman there and was talking about. Um, yeah, that, I think that was the, that was the first showing of the cover of the McMahon volume. Uh, there at the time we only knew about the, the Bolland book so that was the sort of the big reveal of the talk was that there was going to be another volume and it was going to be Mick McMahon so yeah at that point I think that one I think the, the McMahon one is called something like The Art of Judge Dredd so I, you know I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying you know there will be the art of other things after that but they start with the art of Judge Dredd um, so yeah so David is always on the lookout for amazing um Art that could be included in that, or or future volumes, and um, probably nothing from my great Mick McMahon research project, which was identifying his uh, contributions to Rugrats comic, uh, the Marvel UK title. Uh, but it, but he did work um, on Rugrats comic, and I have ident- eventually identified which which titles and um, which issues he worked on. So for all you Mick McMahon completists out there. Uh, do drop me a line, and I'll let you know which which comics you need to uh, complete your minimum mindset <laughs> with the Rugrats. True story. Um, it took me ages to work it out, but uh, but, I, but I got that in the end. And while we're on the subject of identifying uh, artists and, art, uh, and their art, David Roach obviously is great at recognizing 
sometimes art that's not credited to very you know there's no credit so he, you know but he's very good at identifying artists i'm just going to mention though of course the sad story of page 334 the unknown mm-hmm. artist a, a page from uh, a girl's comic called princess um black and white art uh, where the artist is still unknown. Now, I haven't... I don't know, do you know, Richard, whether since this was published, whether they've actually had any success in identifying this artist? Not this artist, but I think when the book was very nearly finished, I think David was in contact with John Freeman, and John did put out sort of a shout-out on Down the Tubes to say, we've got these three artists, and we can't identify them. And I think that that was enough to sort of tip the scales of the universe somehow so that you know they got two of them yeah and they went oh that's you know that's you know because often for these people you know the actual artist is dead so actually you you know you need the next generation of people to go oh yeah that's my you know that's my aunt or you know that's my cousin or you know my grandma or whatever it is so but i think for this this one so yeah like you say david has this astonishing eye you know he can identify that there are 385 spanish artists who worked for fleetway back in the day uh but but he cannot identify and he cannot name this unknown artist who, I mean, this is not, you know, not just they worked on this, you know, this strip for a little bit. I think in the text, I mean, this is all worked for DC Thompson for 30 or 40 years. So, you know, they're, you know, producing, you know, thousands and thousands of pages, you know, in complete obscurity, you know, not sitting in the DC Thompson office, just sitting at home on their own, completely unknown that anybody had any interest uh, in their work, uh, you know, similar to the story that, David Roach tells about um, you know, trying to contact and get in touch with Shirley Bellwood, um, the artist you know, best remembered for her work um, drawing Misty, um, and, you know, those amazing sort of covers, this raven-haired woman, you know, David, you know, going to the, you know, the agency that represented her and saying, you know, people, you know, people would love to know. No, 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 we're not, we're not giving you our contact details. You know, we're not, no, 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 she's ours. She's not yours. No, no, we won't tell her anything. We won't pass anything on. No, no, just go away. And so, you know, complete, you know, all these people, you know, working in isolation, you know, for years and years, no idea, you know, of the, of the legacy um, that they were leaving. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it feels incredible not to be able to identify an artist, but, but at this stage, yeah, page 34, an unknown artist. And while you're mentioning Shirley Bellwood, page 153 has that pen and ink uh, drawing of Misty by Shirley Bellwood. And this was the one, and I think we've mentioned this story a couple of times on the podcast, this was the one that David Roach rescued. Um, And in fact, the top corner had been cut out. They were using it as a cutting, it was on the back of a cutting board or something. And he's restored the top corner of it um, sympathetically. And it's, you know, that there's so little Shirley Bellwood original art still surviving, sadly. And I think this was the only piece, and David Roach owns it now because he rescued it. Mm. Astonishing. Yeah. Okay, Richard, it's time for the big one. So, <laughs> as you say, the book is full of grail pages. <laughs> Literally. If we forced you to just choose one page... But we give you limitless budget so that you can actually uh, get this page and keep it somewhere incredibly safe and secure. Um, what's it going to be? What's your one page of this book? And I realise this might change from week to week, but at the moment, <laughs> um, it, it, 
I well, I did. I did try and promise you earlier, uh, Eamon, No, no, uh, no, no repeats. Um, yeah. You know, from previous podcast appearances on on rival shows, but but I'm afraid I probably do have to repeat myself here uh, and say that I'm going to pick out page two hundred and twenty-one. So let me just turn to two hundred and twenty-one. I think I heard you talk about this on Tony's show, which is probably the other podcast. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. Tell me about page two hundred twenty-one. Uh, so page uh, 221 uh, is a page by Frank Hampson, who is a, let me just count him, one, two, three, he's a four-pager sort of man, so, you know, he's right up there in David Roach's opinion, um, and, and, and rightly in my opinion, um, um, best known uh, as the original artist um, Dan Dare, um, the original Dan Dare and the original Eagle, uh, started in 1950, so he was the principal artist on that for a, for a decade, um, you know, albeit on and off uh, through ill health and overwork um, meant that, you know, he, he could not draw the strip um, e- every week, uh, but but he was the, the premier artist on there. Uh, and I think this, this page just encapsulates everything um, about the original Eagle, about the original Dan Dare um, that I love and Hampson's artwork. I mean, this is, I've seen some of these sort of, these later pages. This page is from 1957 um, and probably would have been a bit bigger than this but not loads bigger and yet you know the, the level of you know it's not drawn twice up not drawn three times up to sort of shrink down you know it's you know it's pretty small um but but the level of detail that the folds in in the clothing I've, and i've heard frank hampson's son peter um talk about his father's artwork and what he loved to draw and you know he loves to draw those the sort of the folds uh, in clothing and it's one of the reasons why they would take uh, photos you know they had have members of the studio team. There's a number of artists involved in the production of their, their strip, and they would sort of take photographs of them so they could get those folds, uh, you know, in the shirt or the trousers. Um, just, just absolutely right. So, so, you know, this is an action-packed page um, with uh, the the trims um, being battled by the sort of the, the classic uh, sort of Dan Dare's gang with Dan with Digby. Um, with, uh, with Pierre Lafayette, sort of the Frenchman with uh, black hair in the bottom of the mainframe, uh, Hank Hogan, um, Flamer Spry, the Mekons in it, the Electrobots from the sort of the classic Man from Nowhere trilogy, which represents the high water mark in Dan Dare. And if you know, Dan Dare is a high water mark in British comic art, then you know th- this is you know at the sort of the, the top of. Uh, those those pages from the the, the, the real peak era of, of Hampson. So I just think it's an astonishing page, and you could look at it and the detail in it for a long time and you know, just smile very happily. Very beautiful. And of course, Dan Dare is one of your sort of main uh, areas of expertise and interest. Uh, so I suppose it's not too surprising that you get <laughs> no. more Mr. Hampson himself and uh, a title page from Dan Dare, nonetheless. Um, yeah, astonishing. So that becomes virtually yours in the art gallery uh, from the Eagle cover artwork from, uh, what does it say, 1957, you said, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, artwork from the Stephen Smith collection. Uh, we're going to have to virtually steal it from the Stephen Smith collection. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Stephen Smith. Look, look away now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So I will post that image when this episode comes out in a few weeks' time. Um, I'm just going to very quickly do mine and turn you to page 329, mm. which is Barry Windsor Smith. And it's an image of uh. Conan the Barbarian from the cover of Marvel Treasury Edition 
1974 from 1975, Conan atop a pile of bodies. And this is the page that I just, I just stare at in wonder all the time. Um, you know, the, the, the detail, I'm not, I, I must confess, I'm not entirely sure if he did the colouring on this or not. Um, but the detail on it and the colour choices of the colourist and everything is just an astonishing page. So I'll just mention that one briefly in passing. Barry Windsor Smith is be mine. But we're going to give you some Dan Dare, some Frank Hampson. Thank you, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that um, Barry Windsor Smith, I mean, it's particularly interesting that David is on the, the left hand page of that has a, a, a Conan page from four, four years, years before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't say that it was, you know, you couldn't possibly think that it was the same artist and the development in, you know, Winter Smith style from, from you know, from page 228 to page 229 um, is, is completely st- astonishing. Um, and and certainly the sort of that, the page you've chosen there is your growl page on 329 is, certainly I look at that and I think, oh, that, that really reminds me of, like, you know, uh, Frank Bellamy and the Heroes, Heroes of the Spartan um Strip, um, which uh, ran in the original Eagle, and it has there's a, a famous page where a double double page spread, which has got about a hundred characters in a battle, uh, and you know it's just amazing. You know, on one page you've got to get all those people in. So yeah, uh, I, I can see why you've chosen that. It's a fantastic page. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. And just Dan Dare, you've got all the 2000 AD Dan Dare appearances now. I think, haven't you? I, I, I have th- th- thanks to you, Eamon. Um, yeah, you, you, I wasn't going to mention that part. So, no, no, no. But everybody should know your generosity, Eamon. So no, I had I'd got all all the way down to all the 2000 AD appearances, apart from I was just missing Prog One, and what I really needed was a really tatty Prog One. Um, I think, or maybe it was even Prog Two. I, you know, just really tatty would be fine, just to complete the collection and. You you unearthed somehow from I somewhere. I managed to find a very tatty coffee, but the Dandere pages were just about okay. So, exactly, yeah. yeah, valueless. I think there was a, 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 a dread page missing. So for most people, completely valueless, but to me, um, completely fantastic. So so thank you very much for your very unexpected um, uh, gift. Well, you know, appearance fees and all that for uh, <laughs> a podcast. So it's a wonderful book. Uh, let's say it's what is it now? Thirty four pounds ninety nine in hardback. Nineteen ninety nine in digital. You probably don't want the digital version for this one, do you? This is this is, this is to be put on the shelf, pulled off the shelf, and admired and, and drooled over uh, in a physical format for for many years to come. Okay, uh, so track down a copy if you've not got one. Get it in hard copy. Uh, get it from your local comic book shop or bookstore if you can. But you know, or just get it. It is just wonderful. Uh, the history stuff is great, but just looking at the pages and um, finding out about some of these artists that you're probably less familiar with is just fantastic. And some of the pages will just make you weep. Um, they should all be hanging in art galleries behind UV-protected glass and under uh, heavy security. Fantastic, Richard. Thanks for um, answering the call when I put out that I wanted to cover the book on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, that 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 was fine. Like I say, it was it was a pleasure to to re reread it, and yeah, it won't be the it won't be it was the first time I re it won't be the last time. And 
obviously, as we say, British comics is your uh, your beat, as it were. Um, and boysadventurecomics.blogspot.com, uh, your blog. Um, tell us about that and what you've got going on at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, so boysadventurecomics.blogspot.com, uh, you know, is my uh, obsession. Um, and, yeah, it's my sort of my spare brain in many ways uh, it's where i put things um either that i have collected or i would like to collect typically based around boys adventure comics so that sometimes stretches to 2000 ad well i didn't read 2000 ad when i was growing up but there is a lot of british comics uh to cover you know uh i probably look at things from you know from the original eagle so probably from sort of the 1950s uh, up until the present day. Sometimes that's sort of news and events signings. Sometimes it's um, reprint volumes. Sometimes it's, it's things where, you know, I know a thing exists, but I can't find, I can't find it. So I might say, oh, you know, there's this run of this comic. So like, a, I don't know, like a sort of a Marvel UK series that ran for sort of 10 or 12 issues or, or Rugrats. Let's say Rugrats comic. So I knew it existed. You know, some great people worked on Rugrats, um, uh, David Leach, um, Mick McMahon, um, all sorts of people. But actually, you know, I didn't know which issues Mick had contributed to. I didn't know who was in which issues. Um, so some of it is just, you know, an exercise in finding stuff out uh, and recording it on a blog rather than saying just a Facebook page allows you to, you know, revisit things and say, oh, actually, last time, I, you know, I knew this comment lasted for 10 issues, but I only had six covers. Now I found a seventh or an eighth or a ninth cover, and you can sort of, you know, over the years, you can go back to it and add something each time. So at the end of the process, you can say, "There we go." If you want to know about what these comics look like, there's definitely seven issues, and they definitely look like this. And off you go. Um, so, uh, so I use it as a sort of an ongoing research tool, uh, either for things that you know I own already that are in the room that I'm sat in here, my study, uh, or the things that I spot on eBay. Um, and yeah, I just I put something up every day. Uh, that's the stick, you know. That's the thing is that every day. So I've been doing it for six and a half years now. Uh, it sounds like a long time when you say it out it loud, does, yeah. uh, but it does mean. That, <laughs> um, but it does mean there are, a, you know, a couple of thousand posts up there now, which, which is quite a lot. Uh, but it does work very well in terms of you know sometimes I'm out and I sort of I see a comic or I see something. You know, online while I'm at work, and I think, what oh, do I need that? And I think, oh yeah, I've covered that on the blog. And I look on the blog, and I think, oh yeah, look, you know, I've coloured that title in red, which means I haven't got it. So you know, I, I can know that I can buy that safely without getting home to work and think from work and thinking, oh, I already had that one. That's a bit of a waste of, you know, five quid on eBay or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so so boys adventure comics. Um, so we cover all sorts of things. So um, obviously, this is going out in a few weeks after the date when we record but we've had a few things go out recently so there was a uh recently i there was a the ucac which is the united kingdom comic art convention sort of the early uh comic uh conventions you know back in the day when there was only one convention a year uh so the 1987 version has a lovely judge dread strip in it uh drawn by robin smith uh written by grant wagner um or uh, alan grant and john wagner um uh that until I stumbled across it the other day, I wasn't particularly looking about it. I didn't know how rare or how common it was. So that was a good to get a, a dread piece uh, on, on the blog. You know, we're, we've got a few more signings that are coming up. So Gosh Comics are doing signings again. So good to be able to start charting those. Um, 
I've had a few things on, uh, things I spotted on e- uh, eBay. So lovely piece of Ron Turner art, um, you know, very evocative sort of 1950s style uh, piece of work by Ron. Um, somebody contacted me about um, uh, Marvel Man number 25, which is probably the most expensive issue 25 of a comic you'll ever find. That's the issue from, this is from the 1950s, from when the title had been called Captain Marvel, but all due to the shenanigans over Captain Marvel and stuff that would rear its head later in Warrior, had to be renamed Marvel Man. So Marvel Man, Volume 1, Number 25, um, you know, sells some big bucks. So if you see that one, you're out about. Pick that, that one up. Pick that one up. But I didn't know what it looked like until somebody sent me a thing saying, oh, look, you know, this has happened. So, uh, yeah, you know, with Don Lawrence, uh, we had in there some of his early work, um, for Easter Sunday, you know, from uh, Illustrated Bible Tales number seven. Again, something I spotted on eBay and I, I looked at it and went, oh, that's interesting. That's, you know, that's Don Lawrence's art. What is this obscure early 1950s comic that I haven't come across? So, so yeah, so all, all sorts of things. Um, I've, you know, got quite a few things um, I'm pleased to say at the moment li- lined up. You know, sometimes I'm sort of running about two days ahead, which can feel a bit scary, you know, especially if you want to have the weekend off or you want to go on holiday. But at the moment, got a few things uh lined up in the post pile um which which is good so yeah so look out for all sorts of things um about boys uh comics uh on there every day and i signed up on your blog and i get a daily email with the uh the, the day's post really and yeah astonishing that you've been blogging daily for six and a half years it's it's, it's ridiculous i mean i absolutely don't recommend <laughs> it anybody uh, I would like, yeah, yeah, there are definitely things that I've learned that I think, actually, if I look back on it, I would do it all completely differently, but it's too late now. I've started, I've, I've made this rod for my own back, you know, it's, it's costing me money, I don't have to do it, nobody's paying me to do it. If I stop doing it tomorrow, it would be fine, but, I, I know, I've started now, so I've got to, you know, I've got to keep going. So check the show notes for this episode, and you will get uh, links to Richard's blog. Uh, sign up on the blog, and you'll get the email every day with the update, and you can keep uh, track of this wonderful uh, resource about British uh, British comics in general. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for being on the show. And thank you for listening to everybody for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find us at Mega City Book Club. Uh, follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2000 AD forums, and on Spotify, or get in touch by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from him. Wow.